Naomi Morenzoni, today's guest, is the Senior Vice President of Philanthropy for Salesforce, which recently announced the first round of donations from its new Ecosystem Restoration and Climate Justice Fund, a $100 million philanthropic commitment to accelerate nature-based solutions. She'll also share insights about her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Full disclosure, I own a few shares of Salesforce. Naomi, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm honored to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, you know, you're doing some amazing stuff there at Salesforce around environmental justice. And uh, this is an important topic for me. It's something that began to hit my consciousness a few years ago because I'm such a passionate guy about climate change and the environment. Uh I, I, you know, I think a lot of us are sort of ignoring some of the social aspects of, of this. So why don't you just take a minute and explain what environmental justice is? Because uh, it isn't obvious to me that everyone sort of sees this as a discipline or as an area to be concerned about. Yeah. So when I think about this, and we call it a little bit more on the climate justice, but when we think about climate justice, we think about those who are hit first and frankly worst by the impacts of climate. And it's those in our communities who are often furthest from success who are have the greatest impact in these moments. You know, at Salesforce, we have been committed and working around our communities for a long time. Um, we've had a long-standing commitment in education and economic opportunity. But when we stepped back, we started to look really at what was going on in our society and the way this is all interconnected. You know, if we want that healthy, prosperous society, we have to have an inclusive society. But at the foundation, we have to have a healthy planet. We have to make sure that our world, frankly, is not on fire because we're never going to be achieve be able to achieve any of those other goals that we've set out if we don't go after that first. This also ties in really closely to Salesforce's own commitment to climate action. Um, You can see we've had some really bold commitments around net zero. We have an action, climate action plan that's out there for anyone to look at. It's around our own emission reductions, our own emission avoidance, but it's also thinking about the policy positions that we take as a company. It's about our product, Next Zero Cloud, about making sure every customer can do this, can reach those goals. But what wasn't there was, frankly, our philanthropy. And so in partnership with our sustainability team, we got together and thought about how can philanthropy be uniquely used and a a key tool as we go towards our climate action plan. Yeah. Why is this important to you and Salesforce? I mean, I think it's really about thinking about the health of our communities and thinking about the world that we want to live in together, right? So when we think about, um, you know, climate impacts and we think about the community, in particular, the role that I've sat in for a long time, which is around community response and community resilience, for a long time, this was really centered on um, sort of natural disasters and thinking about, okay, how do we... Um, help our communities respond, you know, and for a while, this was really like, okay, so, you know, we have maybe a season of the year where things might be um, pretty intense. We know that wildfires and floods are going to kind of happen in this part of the year, and we can plan a little bit for it. 
But over the last few years, the intensity, the velocity, the just frankly, the the sort of onslaught of these climate exacerbated disasters continued to pummel our community. And so when we were talking to our community partners, when we were talking to organizations like the Red Cross or Latino Community Foundation, they were saying, we need you in the climate fight. We need to work together because otherwise we're just responding. We're not getting ahead of the problem that we have. And so really it was about, okay, we have to move upstream. We have to get ahead of this as much as we can. So we had to think about that whole piece of like all the ways we were going to respond. Let, let's talk. One of the, the main things that you have done with the, the philanthropic effort here is to, to donate money to a number of nonprofits. I think you've chosen 12 in this initial cohort. Tell us a little bit about the process for choosing them and give us a few examples of the, the folks you've donated to. Yeah, so in November, we announced a 10-year, $100 million ecosystem restoration and climate justice fund. And so this was really our first foray into thinking about how philanthropy could be used to drive climate action. And so we thought about three key areas. First is just around climate and thinking about nature-based solutions, particularly what we call blue and green carbon sinks as a way to capture um, and um, the carbon emission, making sure that we stay below that 1.5 degree tipping point. The second piece was around biodiversity. So making sure that the systems in which these trees are being planted or restored were kept healthy as part of that strategy towards climate action. And then the third pillar, which was really important and was where this climate justice piece really comes into play is around livelihoods. So making sure that we were supporting adaptation measures that were gonna promote the economic climate and the climate resilience and community resilience side of this transition. So thinking about how do we foster green job creation? How do we make sure that the communities that often have been left out of this conversation are included? And I'll give you a really good example of this one is our partnership with the um, National Fish and the Wildlife Foundation. Um, so we've been supporting a project that they have in Port Arthur. And this is a community that historically has just been pummeled during hurricane season. You know, um, during Hurricane Harvey, 70% of the houses there flooded. This is also a predominantly Black community. And so this was a community that had been left out a lot of these conversations, but they were feeling the impacts. So what we did with them is support a project that is a multi-stakeholder project where they're bringing the community voice into the conversation to co-develop solutions around restoration of the coastal lands. This is going to have a lot of different positive impacts. You're going to both be restoring the coast systems so that you have that biodiversity regeneration. You're going to be creating jobs through that process, and you're gonna be making sure you're elevating the community voice in those solutions. And the net impact really is that when that next hurricane comes through, you're going to be able to slow down the impacts of it. You're gonna be building more environmental and community resilience into that system there. Okay. It, those are such Im important principles. Do you dare give us some specific examples of the nonprofits you've given to and what they're doing? 
Yeah. So um, obviously the National Fish, National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, but another great example um, organization that we're giving to is the um, World Resource Institute. We're supporting their land accelerator program in Brazil. This is really about training technical assistance and mentorships for entrepreneurs who are going to be doing reforestation and restoration work on degraded lands in both Brazil and India. And what I love about this project is it's really thinking about how do you support livelihood, entrepreneurship, they help them figure out how do you do pitch decks? How do you make sure that you can attract new funding from other investors, from impact investors? How do you get ready to be able to get a project into the carbon market so that you can be able to take advantage of the growth in that carbon credits? And that, but also the technical training and the support. So it's thinking about a lot of different ways that you can approach this challenge. So you can take those sort of carbon-rich opportunities, but you're also driving that support in the um, in the communities. Another great example is an organization called Restore, and we're supporting um, a technical platform where they're using satellite imagery so that anywhere in the world you can go in and you can click in and say, okay, I live in Oregon. I want to know what projects are happening around reforestation Oregon. We, in fact, get hit all the time by wildfires. It's really bad during the summers in particular. And you can go in, you can zoom in on a particular project. You can click in and say, hey, do they need funding? Do they need volunteers? How far along is the project? Is the project doing what it said it was going to do? So you have that verification opportunity and it's available for really any in the world. So we're trying to think about a lot of different ways and interventions that we can be investing in because frankly, it's going to need to take everything. It takes all of us in this fight um, to really advance that action. So those are some of the early investments that we're making Fantastic. It, it really is uh, exciting to see what you're doing. And I've got to congratulate you personally, Naomi, for uh, such a stellar career. I mean, the honest truth is uh, you're, you're a really big deal. Uh, and, you know, of course, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, but, but as a senior executive at one of the largest companies on the planet, uh, you, you've had an extraordinary career, and it's great to see you using that success and, and, and using your skills uh, for climate justice. That's that's amazing. It's wonderful. Now, here's the question: uh, What you've developed, obviously, a a skill set that's enabled you to be successful. What do you see as your superpower, your standout skill that allows you to be effective at the great work that you're doing? So if you had asked me that question a couple of years ago, I think I would say I my superpower was putting order to chaos. You know, I, I love a messy, chaotic situation, the energy, sort of the creativity that comes out of there. But I think in just saying I'm going to put order to chaos, um, I think it's really limiting, right? That it implies there's a structure and maybe a rigidity that you're implying there. I think as I've evolved in my career and I've worked on these projects um, at Salesforce and elsewhere, it's really about harnessing or um, uh, 
putting into a better flow that chaos, right? So it's really about thinking about how might we take all of this energy, all of this creativity, all of these great ideas and get them to get together and get it all in a single path, driving towards a single outcome where we can have incredible impact. And so that's thinking about projects like this fund, the Climate Fund, where it's a partnership with lots of different parts of the business, lots of different parts of our community, where maybe there's times where we have divergent um, goals in the short term, but really our long-term goals together, and finding that opportunity, those wins together to make things really impactful. So I think my superpower really is that ability to bring lots of people with lots of ideas and get them together so we can drive greater impact together. Yeah, that that is powerful. Uh, as you think about uh, that, that superpower, being able to sort of build the, the, the coalition, bring people together, focus on that result, can you think of a, a, a specific example of when you deployed that successfully, had a good outcome that you want to brag about? <laughs> Yeah, so I think there's a couple. Um, you know, one of the things that was um, really exciting for me to work on is I was part of Salesforce's um, racial equality and justice commitment, and the task force that we set stood up in 2020 really is the you know whole world was going through a racial reckoning, and we thought about all the different parts of our business that needed to come together to think about how do we support racial equity, how do we support racial justice. And we made really bold commitments across our own people, our philanthropy, our policy positions that we were going to take, and our purchasing. So kind of Salesforce's superpower, all of the different things that we had to leverage. And that was a, that was a hard moment. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like the, the, the emotions that I felt, the emotions our community were feeling, that sense of the magnitude of the of this reckoning was so big. How how are we ever going to do enough? But we set up the task force. We were really intentional about setting bold goals. We published them. They're on our website. You can see them. And we track against it and we report on it and we share how we're going to have that impact. And, you know, honestly, where we're having successes and where maybe we're falling short. And so we have that ability to look back and, and examine what we need to do. And, you know, our commitment to the Climate Justice Fund and what we learned in that process was really an outcome of where we started with the Racial Equality and Justice Fund, because we were really understanding that, you know, our communities are impacted. The, the funding that goes into this area is so small. I think it's something, you know, I think only 2% of philanthropic funding goes to climate right now. And if you look into um, community-led solutions, solutions by um, founders who are uh, underrepresented, you're looking at something like 0.6%. It's, it's really abysmal if we think about it. And so from that, a lot of this creativity of how do we center our sustainability work on justice? How do we center it on our communities and supporting them. So it's really coming together. That is a great example. Uh, and you know, obviously you're a super uh, professional, super successful individual. And so one of the things that I imagine that over time you've had to do is to sort of guide people on your process for bringing things together. 
you've had to think about it. You formalized it. Your thinking has evolved consciously, you said, over the last couple of years from order to chaos to more of order to flow. Uh, tell us, if you would, uh, how you coach people to uh, you know, think more like you so that people can be more like Naomi Moranzoni. I think you might be giving a little too much credit here because I do want to flip a little bit of the script because I think where where we the approach that I come from, the approach that Salesforce comes from when we think about particularly our community impact work, it's really starts with a listening. Like we don't have all of the answers. We have to listen to those who have the expertise. We have to listen to those with lived experiences. We have to listen to those who are closest to the challenge because honestly, they usually have the best solutions. So we need to invest and support them. We need to um, provide, frankly, unrestricted capital. We need to you know, fund them, release them <laughs> into the wild and, and let, let us see what comes from it. You know, I think philanthropy has to be both the the best and sort of boldest risk tolerant capital out there and it also has to be the patient capital and when i think about you know risk tolerance you know um with an angel investor i did some research once and i think they expect like you know five to ten percent of their portfolio and angel investing to hit we expect way more out of our philanthropic portfolios. We expect results. You know, we fund programs, we fund outcomes, but we're not always investing in the innovation. We're not always investing in um, the the capacity building that's needed. You know, in particular in the climate fund, I'll, I'll give you two kind of examples in this. One, um, you know, as we've gone out and listened and tried to understand where where did where could Salesforce's philanthropy play to support. The thing we are hearing over and over again from our partners is that when we try and go for this great reforestation or this um, nature-based solutions, one of the biggest bottlenecks is really around seeds. It's around seed collection, it's on seed storage, and then getting that to sapling and making sure um, that, um, that they survive into becoming that full, you know, that grown tree that's able to sequester the carbon. But what's not clear is exactly the right intervention. Some of it is, you know, the the passing knowledge down um, from those who have that's pretty specialized. You need to have a lot of information about that. It needs to be the right trees from the right elevation at the right place. There's technical training capacity within um, this this whole skill set, and so where I think philanthropy needs to play, and where we're looking is saying, okay, well. Let's try a couple different solutions. You know, we funded in Hawaii um, a, a technician who's going to sit down with sort of the expert in that area around a particular tree that's critical to that ecosystem, and we're going to we're going to support that training and the passing down of that knowledge. You know, we need to look at other di- types of technologies that are helping with the um, the collection and the storage of those seeds. We have to think a lot of different, trying out a lot of different things, and they're not all going to succeed. Okay, let's learn from it. Let's learn from where we failed. Let's share that information with everyone else. Let's be humble and recognize that we don't have all the answers, but we got to all get in it together. Otherwise, we're not going to make progress. And then real quickly, the the second story I would say is around mangroves. So I'm in this learning phase and I've heard, one thing that I've heard from the experts is, you know, that the science around mangrove restoration is actually pretty clear. 
But guess what? Not everyone's doing it the right way. So that's where I say, okay, philanthropy needs to come in and provide capacity building. Let's help support training and make sure we're replicating that right solve for the mangrove restoration so we're doing it the right way. So we have to play in both places and we have to be willing to get in there and kind of, you know, try things out, let it let it fail um, or help accelerate where we know the solution's ready and proven. Yeah, it's such a such a critical uh, set of recommendations, such great guidance. Uh, I just can't thank you enough. Naomi, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Such a great conversation. Before you go, would you take a minute and just tell people how they can learn more about what Salesforce is doing for climate justice and if you're willing, how they can connect with you personally, perhaps yeah. social media? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I encourage everyone to go to Salesforce's um, uh, stakeholder impact report, which we have on our website. Um, it shares everything that we're doing in this world. You can click through, you can learn more about the stories. We've got a great newsroom post that's available um, that talks about this first round of investments that we've made in our Climate Justice Fund. Um, you can also go to my LinkedIn profile, which is Naomi Moranzoni. I've shared some of um, these resources and information, but yeah, please get in touch. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you found, what's working, what's not. Um, let's do this together. Thank you, Naomi. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we want to wish you every success in driving uh, climate justice. It's so critically important for our communities, for the world. Uh, we wish you every success. So thank you uh, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Devin. It was an absolute pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book. Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.